Pussy, pussy, it's gonna be a good one today. Yes, I'm talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Come on, girls and boys and everyone on the gender rainbow, bring your pussies to the show. Happy Tuesday, Clitorati. So, you know how we love having inspiring people tell their sex and empowerment stories? Today, we have a nationally recognized journalist, author of Girl Boner, and host and producer of the podcast Girl Boner Radio in the studio with us. Please welcome August McLaughlin. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) We're so excited to have you. Um. It was fun. I was like, Girl Boner Radio, yes, please have her on the yeah. show. <laughs> the coolest thing I want ever. A gr- yeah, right. I had a Girl Boner <laughs> last night. It was pretty funny. It was my bush fiber. Mm. Um, all right. So August, thank you so much for being here today. Let's jump right in. Let's let's start off first with your your TEDx monologue is so beautiful. Can you tell us what happened that had you break through to love your body enough? to be empowered around your sex. Mm. That is a hot topic with our listeners. <laughs> oh, yeah. Gosh, sex and body image. It's its tough. So I was working in the fashion industry in Europe. I'm originally from Minnesota. And I moved to New York and then to Paris after high school. And one day I was going for a run by the Seine River and I collapsed and was shortly after diagnosed with anorexia, um, a pretty severe eating disorder. And I went home for treatment. I kind of went home because my life felt very purposeless at that time. But I had this weird drive in me. I felt like there is something more. Like there has to be something more in my life, some kind of purpose that I haven't found yet. And even when I tried to give up, I, I couldn't. It was really bizarre. So I went back to Minnesota got into treatment. Treatment kind of sort of worked. I was doing all the conventional things like working with a dietitian. I had a day program. I had therapy. And it wasn't until I was sitting in a college classroom and one day the professor said, we're going to talk about sex today. And I had one of those light bulb moments where I realized I hadn't really talked about sex with anyone, not even the person I had been having it with. And that spurred this intense curiosity in me. I get chills now just thinking about it. And this was years ago. I went home to my then boyfriend. I was like on fire about this. I'm like, why don't I talk about this? Why didn't I think about this? And I really haven't stopped talking about sex ever since. Um, it <laughs> really shifted things it'll, for it'll me. It'll do that to you. <laughs> yes, you, you totally get it. I know you all do. Um, Yeah. So it was interesting because later, looking back, I realized that that was the moment that I stopped wanting to starve myself. So it was really impactful Mm. for me. And so it's a a passion of mine because I, I very quickly learned, as you all know, that there are so many negative repercussions to not owning our sexuality. And I just knew that I had to do something. It turned out that that is that purpose for me. It feels like that's what kept me going. Like, like when I collapsed, I have this image now of me sitting there. And obviously it was a really dark time, but this little flicker of light that I think of as girl boner. I mean, that might sound a little, mm. maybe a little corny or something, but it really no. is a, no. a deep passion. 
It's, I don't think that sounds corny. Have you ever read the book Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert? No, I know of it. Okay, so she talks about ideas like they're like floating through the universe. And like, have you, have you ever had an idea that hits you and then you kind of don't take action on it and then somebody else does it? So she has this theory that ideas are almost like little spirits, like floating through the universe and they hit you and you have a choice to either like take it on or not. So I, that makes complete sense to me Mm. based on like, yeah. I love that. I believe that totally. Yeah. And I love how, thank you for just being so vulnerable right out of the gate. I love how you said I was starving and, and you actually like, I, I, I actually relate to that in the sense that. I was, I think, I think all three of us were starving for a certain level of pleasure or sexual freedom. And I think that a lot of women can relate to that, whether they had, you know, anorexia eating disorder or not. Like, I think the, the way that you said that was so profound. I I mean, I think, I feel like I thought about you, Katie, actually. Like, so Katie, yeah. So before we started this podcast, Katie never masturbated in her life. I actually didn't know that women masturbated. No one had ever talked to me about it at all. So it was um, a huge opening. And at the time I had all these medical issues. So I relate to a lot of what you're saying, because once I started getting in touch with my sexuality and developing a pleasure practice, my body started to heal. Hmm. And it was the most profound thing. And I'm I'm a nurse and I'm also an actress and I've worked in medical television for a decade. And Now I do this because this is my calling. This is my mission. I get to produce and write and share this profound difference that this work has made for me and my environment and my whole family. I mean, I'm a mom now and so many things were possible from getting in touch with my sexuality. So yeah. You're really moved right now, Katie. Yeah. No, I mean, it's... (laughs) It's um, it's such a special. It's like something I would never, like, would have never in a million years imagined that I'd be doing this. Like I never talked about sex with anyone. Yeah, it's very similar to what you said. So yeah, and yeah. I was a late bloomer. I relatively speaking, meaning I didn't masturbate till age thirty. And that was after that first epiphany. Okay, so you get it. I feel like there's a sisterhood in that. Like, because you get to go through like puberty and, but only the good parts again. Yeah. Right? Like I got so into it, like so passionate and I still am, but I went through this period when I, when I did masturbate for the first time, I already thought I was really sexually empowered. And of Mm -hmm. course, I think it's a journey and it's not like this, we get there and it's done, thankfully. But that was totally life-shifting too. And it's actually when I decided to launch Girl Boner was because I thought I didn't need to masturbate. Like it just, I didn't realize I had shame around touching my own body or that my idea of sexuality was dependent on another person. Like I didn't have mm. sexuality on my own. You're mm. so, you're August, you're so profound. I mean, you're a writer, obviously. So you're very profound with words. And Something that our listeners really struggle with is, you know, loving their body enough to connect with it so that it translates into words, like like what you're talking about, like connecting to your sex and actually asking for what you want. Um, Can, like, can you share about your journey, your ongoing passage into loving your curves and like any tangible tips in like how to translate that into words and ask for what you want? 
Oh gosh, yeah. That definitely was a huge learning curve for me. I think that one of the most important things is to start exactly where you are. I think we shame ourselves for feeling shame. So it becomes like layer after layer of, I'm supposed to be body positive. And we we think that that means I love everything about my body. For me, one thing that really helped was I did like a, I called a cleanse or detox and not in the, the dietary meaning, but in my life of every influence that was harming my sense of um, autonomy in my body, interfering with pleasure, interfering with me just not having these really pervasive thoughts that were so negative. So that meant I cut out all the size tags out of my clothes. I Mm. trashed my scale. I still haven't stepped on one except for at the doctor's office. Um, I got rid of quote unquote health books that were not so healthy. I distanced myself from people who were impacting my body image in a negative way. And, you know, there was a time when I could not have sex with the lights on. I needed to be in complete darkness. I couldn't allow my partner to see my body at all. And so I have so much compassion for people who are feeling like, how do I, how do I even get there? And I really do think it starts with ourselves. So the pleasure practice that Katie mentioned can be huge. Even if it's five minutes a week, it doesn't have to be masturbating. It doesn't have to be orgasmic, but it it certainly can be. Even sensually putting lotion on your body can be a really loving practice. And then also taking inventory of the things you're saying to yourself. You know, that can be really painful. So if you're in a really dark place, you might want to go through that with a, the support of a therapist or a loved one. But I did that once where I wrote down every negative thought I had in one day. And then the next day, argued them as if, like argued against them as though I was standing up for a friend. And I think that was really powerful too. And then I would say, once you're, if you're in a place where you're, pretty much ready to like have sex and you feel okay, but you still have some of that negative self-talk about your body. Even simple practical things like candlelight can be so helpful because it's it's flattering. You don't have to feel bad about having tools that help you feel more, you know, comfortable. Because the beautiful thing about sex is you don't have to love your body to experience pleasure. I think we sometimes get the idea we have to be confident about our body to feel good. Sometimes we have to feel good in order to respect our body. And that's what happened for me. It was like owning the sexuality gave me respect for my body. So it's okay to start with orgasms too and work backward in a way. I love that. Start with (laughs) orgasms and work backwards. (laughs) That's so, that's, wow. Those are, that's, those are some... I love the cutting tags out of your clothes. I, I did like a social media cleanse where I unfollowed all of the people that were making me feel like shit about my life or my body <laughs> or like I just muted them. And then I, I went through and I followed a bunch of influencers that really inspired me. And that was very helpful as well. Oh, yeah. um, but I love the cutting the tags out of your clothes. I'd never heard that before. That's great. Yeah. And I love throwing away the scale. I did that too a few years ago and never step on the scale unless I go to the gynecologist. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, that really, really fucked with me during my early years of college. I was bulimic. Mm. And I, 
I was alone in my university, 3,000 miles away from the country. And my parents were like, how's everything going? I'm like, it's fabulous. <laughs> you know, I'm like so eating hard. spinach Monday through Friday. Like, yeah, living in Miami with a bunch of like all the uh, girls. In I lived in dresses. Miami too. Yeah, everyone's I naked. Have, like, I, naked. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's everyone's so different. naked in Miami. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Seriously, they right? They were nothing. They were yeah. Nothing. There's, I mean, boobs everywhere. Yeah. Just like, it was everywhere. Sh- shocking for me because I- Under butt. Under yeah. Butt totally. Yeah. 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 In Minnesota, you don't show anything ever, really. Like, it's, <laughs> like I started modeling in Minnesota and it literally was parkas, you know, stuff that covers you up. <laughs> and, then, and then being in the modeling industry was interesting because I would sort of- transform into a character who had to be confident when the camera was on. And that was healing for me in a way. But then at the same time, the industry is so harsh and it was making things worse too, of course. Um, but when I went to Miami, I lived I lived in Minnesota, New York, Paris, and then I went to Miami. And I was in a much healthier place overall. Um, but it was fascinating to me how, you know, just free people are, which was a beautiful thing. And after a while, you stop seeing it. Like you see it, but it does, you're not like, oh my God, there's like nipples right in front of me. <laughs> and I think that's such a great kind of metaphor for our culture. It's like everything is so sexualized and so taboo that when we see bodies, we're like, oh my gosh, body parts. If we just right, saw yeah. them, like cultures that don't fixate on certain body parts don't have these same issues. Right. I, yeah, I remember I went my so my sister lived in Germany for a little while and I went to we went to a spa and it was co-ed naked. <laughs> and and I remember like walking and I was just like there's 21 Baskin Robbers flavors of like every dick you've ever seen in your life. But what I noticed was the like and there were men of all different ages and sizes and the women and like it just wasn't a big fucking deal. Like the men were not creepers. They were just like nudity was not a big deal and I was like why are Americans so uptight about this. Like, yeah. like it was just co-ed nude, no big deal. And I love Germany because it's like you can have a preschool and a sex store like next to each other. They don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so refreshing. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. What does girl boner mean? I love this question. <laughs> so girl boner originally came from a childhood experience I had when I was in that really awkward sex ed class that so many of us have growing up where (laughs) you learn a lot of scary things. You don't learn about pleasure, of course. And I remember seeing a slide on the screen about an erection and it was a medical drawing. And I remember that the teacher saying something like, and it can feel quite good. And I was like, wait a minute, I'd never seen a penis. I could not believe that these bodies had, it's like the boys had these transformer bodies that did cool things. And mine was going to bleed and be like suffering. And I I was very perplexed. Uh, the first time I heard the term boner, when kids were just like joking and I was like, oh, that, that thing. I wondered what about girl boners? And it was this curiosity I carried with me for years and years. And then it was like an inside joke with partners later, you know, with friends. And, and then I decided to, after my, I call it the orgasm that changed my life in a, in my book, that's how my Girl Boner book starts with my first time masturbating. And uh, <laughs> and so I decided to trademark the term and start a blog first. And then the, uh, the podcast came from that. And that's my main focus now. But I use the term both to represent what happens when 
a woman or femme's body gets turned on because that's not celebrated. We have so many terms for the quote unquote male erection and the male, you know, turn on and, and we just don't have any for, for gals. But I also use it to broadly define just embracing our sexuality and, and celebrating it. I love that girl boner. I feel like you feel like we do get boners too. Like when I'm aroused, I, I feel like my clit does get hard. Like, it does. And no one talks a, it's about a that. It's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. And the clitoris is about the same size on average as a penis made out of the same tissue. It's made out of erectile tissue. It gets hard. It gets large. And we just don't see most of it. I mean, mm-hmm. I just did an mm-hmm. episode on unforgettable clitoris stories and... I went into some of like the research um, um, about the clitoris and it wasn't until like the 90s that anyone even knew that the clitoris was more than the quote unquote button on the outside. And so the actual girl boner, if you talk about it in a clit boner type of way, it's been so hidden that it makes sense that so many people don't know anything about it. But when I was working on my book, I was looking for an image for the illustrator of a turned on clit. I could not find any the only one I could find, seriously, the only one I could find was in a, a feminist scholar research paper. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. And there are need to penis that. boners everywhere. <laughs> yes. So the illustrator had to just take this. I was like, you need to make it larger. <laughs> like, so there is a picture in my, in my book, like a drawing. Uh, but yeah, we, we just don't even, people don't realize that we do. We do. We totally get boners. We do. And, and I mean, here at Clit Talk, we could talk about clits all day long. Um, <laughs> but we, we did do an episode like there are five different types of clits too. We did a whole oh, tell me about, about the, the five types. I don't remember. Well, if I knew yeah. That so now. real quick. So there's, there's small, medium, and large. So small is like a, a grain of rice. Medium is like a pea or corn kernel. And large is anything larger than that. And it can be either be hooded, like kind of covered or unhooded. Yeah. And, and all those five different types actually require a different type of stimulation. Mm. And like the yeah. large clit, like a larger clit actually does like to be sucked almost like a penis. And they can penetrate, especially mm-hmm. like if you're an intersex person who has a larger uh, clit that extends more, you yeah. can penetrate, which is mm-hmm. fascinating to me. Hida Valoria is an intersex activist who I interviewed about their whole journey. And they said they just, they get the best of all worlds, you know, because they get the internal pleasure. They get, they, they literally get to penetrate without wearing a dildo, which is amazing. Yeah. yeah. So Anatomy rad. plays such a huge role in our, what feels good. Yeah. Like how we're all just so unique. Yeah. I mean, for me, like I, it's like basically impossible for me to have like an orgasm from just penetration. I need to have that clitoral stimulation. But I have friends that are like, I come like vaginally all the time. I'm like, lucky you. (laughs) Yeah. I used to say that about myself that I only came vaginally or internally or G-spot, whatever you call it. Oh, wow. However, which is my go-to. But I didn't realize for years that those internal orgasms also totally involve the clit. Like, I believe all <laughs> orgasms are clit orgasms. Um, but I didn't realize that I had been experiencing what I had written off as like, quote unquote, small. Not, I didn't even think there were orgasms. I thought I would feel close to orgasm on the outside when really I was experiencing an orgasm 
there's just different types. And it wasn't until I participated in, do you know about the orgasm MRI studies? No. no. What? <laughs> what? Oh my gosh. I, I think you all need to do this if they're still, if they're still do doing this. It. Yeah. I'm so several years ago, I went to Rutgers University. I think I was the fifth journalist maybe to participate. And I got to masturbate in an MRI machine and they looked at my brain. It was oh, my God. incredible. Yeah. And that is how I realized I didn't think I was experiencing an orgasm because when I got there, they were like, I, okay, so I totally didn't read the fine print. I should have known this. But <laughs> I thought for some reason, I thought MRI studies could be done not necessarily like in a tube where you couldn't move, which is how they are. I thought I could be like, mm-hmm. oh, stick some electrodes on me and I can like bounce around and do my thing. And they were like, you have to be totally still. There was like this Hannibal Lecter style mask that they mold onto your face to keep your head totally still. And yeah. yeah. And so you have all these different prompts. And one of them was to stimulate your clitoris. One was to think about stimulating your clitoris. And I didn't think that I had orgasmed, but I did until we were done. And the researcher was like, so did you experience climax? And I was like, oh my gosh, I, I did, but I just chalked it off to like, frustration and then surrender because I was so turned on and I felt a release, but it wasn't the kind that I thought was my orgasm, which was the G-spot, the quote unquote bigger orgasm. Oh. So ever since I have so much more um, external pleasure. It's, it's wild. Oh. Hey, Clitorati. We wanted to take a quick minute to share about our Patreon. You know, we absolutely love being able to create weekly episodes and continue to normalize our message of pleasure on earth. Our Patreon is a monthly subscription crowdfunding platform that allows us here at Clit Talk to have the flexibility to expand our message without having to worry about how it's going to financially impact us personally. We are committed to expanding and creating new and exciting things like live events and a safe VIP community so you can share and be heard in real time. So if Clit Talk makes a difference for you and you'd like to connect with us on a whole new behind the scenes level, please consider supporting our Patreon. Your support makes a huge difference for us so we can make a difference for you. Wait, hold on. I'm confused. So wait, you you had to be still, but you ma- how did you masturbate yes. while you were being still? I don't understand. How did you do this? It was so not. Oh my gosh! And I actually Hence told them the frustration I, to surrender. Yes, <laughs> I, I'm like, did they have a machine that was just fucking you in the MRI? Like, how oh, did this work? You could you could move your hands. You could move oh, your hands. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't explain that very well. Yeah, so you okay. you could use your fingers, but nothing else. And they did allow you just me said to. You had to keep your head still. Basically, yeah, your head basically oh, like okay, okay. from shoulders up, essentially like your head couldn't move at all <laughs> or it just messed up the whole brain study part. Yeah, right, so okay, I could okay. I could move my hands. Yeah, so that was that was helpful, but I still didn't think I would come and I told the researchers that beforehand and they were like, it'll still be helpful if you don't, which also showed me how important it is to just not care. I didn't have mm. any pressure on myself and it was totally fascinating. And the studies showed that the arousal in the mind is just as powerful as the orgasm in the mind. Mm, so absolutely. it was it was neat to actually see that and hear that and experience it and be like, oh my gosh, like it's, I think some people I know can think their way to orgasm. I'm not, I haven't experienced that yet, but I'm like, that's totally legit. Like to, <laughs> to just really be turned on in your mind is powerful. Yeah, we we just recently interviewed Layla Martin and she was talking to us about energy orgasms. And I'm like, 
bucket list. Need to try that. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> yeah. So that now we know the so science cool. behind how that's actually like true and possible. That's so cool. We get the science. Yeah, I reason. really think we should all go. Let's go get. Let's go get MRI. <laughs> like, let's do it and then talk about it on Clit Talk. So, how, so how do you approach your doctor for this? You're like, hi, yeah, I'd like there? to masturbate <laughs> in the MRI machine, and you scan my brain, please. Is this covered oh my by gosh. insurance? <laughs> yeah, I what wish. I, sometimes when I tell people about it, they go, "Oh my gosh, did they know you were masturbating?" And they think that <laughs> I just went in for an MRI and just decided to masturbate. So oh yeah, Katie's right. It's a, it was a setup study, which was very hard for them to get approved because, ooh, sex on a campus, <laughs> you sure, know? Sure, uh, yeah. yeah. But they've done other studies too. And one was on thinking off and mm-hmm. they found the same thing. The researcher was like, I don't know if I really believe that that's a thing. And then he was right. like, oh yeah, it totally is. The mind is a powerful place. <laughs> mm-hmm. So obviously on this show, we, we are here sharing our lives and so that our listeners can also heal with us. Like we've put our our lives out there. Were you always this outspoken about your needs, desires, and identity? And tell us about your journey to like how you got to this place a little bit. Mm, Absolutely not. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Really, it was that college experience, uh, realizing I hadn't talked about sexuality. And then over time, I think it's, it's still a journey I'm on to be I mean, I don't think anyone's comfortable 100% all the time around, you know, sex and speaking up for our needs, which are two different things that that combine a lot. And I think when you are reared as a as a girl, if you are, you know, a female in this culture, I think there's a lot of forces against us to stand up for our needs in general. So what's beautiful is when you start standing up for your needs in the bedroom. It works in the boardroom, like, and it goes both ways. For me, again, the sexuality is what started it. One thing wild that I noticed when I really started stepping into my sexuality more and being much more open was my voice got louder. My singing voice got a ton louder. I'm not like a professional singer or anything. I just, I used to write songs and play in like a girl band. And it was just a hobby of mine that I had completely lost in my life through my illness. And as soon as I started to really own my sexuality, it was wild. I wrote like seven songs in one week. I Everything just started to feel like hyper color. And so that's been incredible. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the most powerful thing was that. And then, and then masturbating. I think when you know what your, your body enjoys and when you can explore your sexuality as your own, you know, I also think sexy photo shoots are really empowering, um, at least for me. We all have our own things. But especially as like a former model, to be able to let loose and have these erotic, sensual photos taken where, for example, I have a really big appendix scar. I was so disconnected from my body that my appendix burst and I was like, oh, I'll be fine. Uh, and oh my God. <laughs> this was probably two years after my eating disorder diagnosis. Um but so I had this big scar and I'm proud of it. But I remember when I was modeling at the time, my, the first thing my agent said wasn't like, are you okay? It was, did you tell them you're a model? I'm like, are they going to not take out my busted appendix if they know when they're going to take a photo of me? What? Uh, so now to like be, these photos are not for anyone else. Like I just want to have this experience. So that's been really big too. Um, yeah. Have any of you done something like that? 
Yeah, I have. I did a like a, a boudoir shoot and some of it was in lingerie and some of it was nude. Um, and it was super empowering. And I'm like, when I'm 80, I'm going to be really glad I have these pictures. <laughs> and you want more when you're 80. That's like one of my goals. I'm like, every decade, that would be awesome to, to yeah, celebrate. Like, I love you know? that. Yeah. 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 Actually, last night, um, a friend of ours is a painter. She does like... Um, and she asked me to come and be like a nude model for like her future for like paintings. And I was like, oh my God, I've like, you know, I've gained a little weight in quarantine. And I was like, can I do it in two months? I was like, in my mind, I'm like, let me do it in two months when I've like been working out and lost weight. And then I was like, no, fuck that. Like, I look like a Renaissance statue right now. Let's just go and do this. So it was a, and I'm excited. I'm excited to see how she interprets but what was funny, she was, we did the photo shoot last night and I was expecting to look weird. And she was showing me some of the pictures. And I was like, oh, I look pretty good, actually. Like, it's <sighs> it's funny. I think the image of ourselves in our brain versus reality is sometimes so disconnected. Yes. Mm. I actually wish that everyone, especially women or anyone who has really intense body image issues, could have a photo shoot with a really artistic mm-hmm. photographer you can trust because mm-hmm. all they see is your beauty. And, and it is such an empowering thing to have them like the energy with that person and you can feel they are thinking in a different way than you are. And at least for me, I was able to like just let loose and just be. And if you can experience that, or even if you're nervous during it, to be able to look later at yourself through someone else's eyes who was seeing your beauty. Oh, I just wish everyone could have that, even if it's not, you know, anything you ever show anybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and for the, I mean, I, the 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 photographer, I'll give her a shout out, Alexis Dickey Photography. Um, and if anyone in Southern California is incredible, because I had that experience. It was like the way she saw me, and mm. the way she sees women is so beautiful. And I was like, wow, like I don't have to Photoshop these at all. Like the way, like she put these really soft filters on it, like with these gel things, and it was like such an incredible, I was like, I did it right out of like a breakup. And I was like, wow, this is Mm. a really empowering experience for, I want, I want Katie and Sugar to do a photo shoot with her because the way she sees women is so amazing. Mm. Um, We'll put her, we'll put Alexis's link in the show notes too, because she's anyone in Southern California, do do a boudoir shoot with her. She's amazing. Um, So I love this quote that you put on your Instagram. You said, I think that raising action and or foreplay in terms of sexual empowerment should be a thing of establishing trust, establishing equal power, creating a safe space. Foreplay is also, to be explicit, fucking your partner's brain before their body. What are your best <laughs> foreplay so good. tips? Uh, so <laughs> yes. good. I love that too. I love that. So you that's Mike, your brain before their body. Right? That's yeah. um, Mike Johnson from The Bachelor. I think it was season... I think it was 16. I might be off on that. But he's incredible. And I interviewed him. I found out he was reading Girl Boner and he mentioned it on a podcast. So I thanked him. Oh my and God. I found out he'd written this really amazing book um, about self-love. So we had a wonderful conversation and we did talk a lot about foreplay. And for me, I see foreplay as a lifestyle. I see it as like turning ourselves on and being connected to our sexuality. I don't see it as you know, the things that lead up to penetration or the activities that lead up to orgasm or, or whatnot. Um, but I, I do, I can share some tips on the right before sex activities that I really like. 
One of them, especially, okay, so let's say you scheduled sex, which can be, you know, so helpful as I'm sure you've probably talked about before. (laughs) Let's say you've scheduled it and you've had like this really stressful day and you're, or you're really focused on something else. And then it's time for sex and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be like in it right now. Like I'm not quite there. Like your your mind is not there. What I love for this is take your favorite sex toy. It could be a vibrator. It could be a dildo. It could be like one of those little, I think they're called yoni eggs, or it could be Mm -hmm. like an arousal gel that gives you a little tingle. But you put something, if you have a well, you could actually do this regardless of what kind of genitalia you have. You could use a cock ring. Um, but you start getting your, you know, your sexy bits turned on. Like just even just like a little, it's like a little nudge before things start happening. And even if you were doing laundry at that time, you'll start to be like, oh my gosh, like something's awake, you know? And that's, yeah. I think that can be really hot. And then I think just knowing what your what your turn-ons are is so big. I think so often we think about what our partner is going to want or there's so much pressure, especially on women to be performative and like to have to look certain ways and instead to think about what has turned you on in the past. So maybe it's watching an erotic clip. Maybe it's reading some erotica. Audio erotica has been really popular lately. Uh, Fantasizing, all of that. Um, Lube can be great. As, as foreplay, just, you know, rubbing the clit or oh, massage. Yeah. I think really taking that playtime for yourself before sex, before you even walk into a room with a partner. Yeah. I have to say that's, that's really good. Those are some really good tips because, you know, they say it takes the average woman like 15 to 20 minutes to get turned on. So I've done this before. Like I've told my partner, I'm like, go take a shower, go like do this. And I get started on my own. Mm-hmm. And then like I wake her up and then it really does make a difference. I mean, he's mm-hmm. generous too. Like he'll, he'll always wake her up, but sometimes it's just easier to do it yourself. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, I mean, why do you think so many women experience orgasm every time by themselves? Right. And not right. always with a partner. So I think that's great. Done. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We know what to do. Yeah. 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 And I love that. I'm, the um the audio porn is something I'm like wanting to explore too because I'm such an yeah. auditory person. I'm like, ooh, audio porn. Is it like? Is it like? There's I think it's called like Dipsy or something like that, right? Like there's like yes, an app. Dis- Dispia is that how you say Dispia. it? Yeah, there's I think it's there's Dispia, that yeah. app. There's there's a bunch of different ones now, and yeah, I think it's one of those things where you have to just explore and find what works for you because you know I hear from a lot of people that this porn sounds are so corny that they just start laughing. <laughs> Um, so it depends. But even if you, if there's like a really sexy movie that turns you on, record part of that on your phone and listen to that. I mean, I, I love sounds too. Yeah. Oh my God. Have you seen Sex Life on Netflix? I no, haven't. It's on my list. It is like basically softcore porn. <laughs> but it's so really? hot. <laughs> I mean, it's a little campy, but I was like, I binged the whole thing and went like, I took like a Saturday where I was like, I'm not going to see anyone and do my own thing. And I binged like the whole, there's like eight episodes on Netflix. But there's this one part where the guy, they like show his like flaccid penis. Like they show you his entire penis, like in the shower. It is the biggest penis I've ever seen in my life. It's like 10 inches soft. I was like, holy (gasps) shit. You know what? I (laughs) I don't know anything about this particular actor, but I did read recently that most penises you see now that we're seeing more of them are not actually the person's penis 
people have a penis double, the option of that. They have like prosthetic. Yeah. But I am glad that we're not just seeing naked women. Yeah. Well, this particular penis intrigued me. So I did Google it. And apparently it is this actor's penis. I mean, that's what the internet is saying. They're like, was it a prosthetic? Was it real? Was it a penis double? And then there's all these people. This is kind of bad, but like there's people that like grew up with him that were like, no, that is his penis. Oh my God. Poor guy. I Googled it. I I admit it. (laughs) I love that they showed it flaccid though. I don't think flaccid penises get enough glory or praise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't ever really see them. Yeah. I mean, especially because I think we also think like sex doesn't happen without it, you know? So we just sort of... But a flaccid... Like, it always irks me a little bit when I see a scene where there's like a cisgender, you know, hetero couple and the... After, like, the guy comes really fast and then the woman's Mm. just like, oh my God, and they just fall asleep and they're both frustrated. (laughs) And I'm like, why did you have to stop? Sex doesn't have to have a hard penis. Like, there's so many other things you can do and a flaccid penis can experience pleasure also. Yes, we actually got into that. We had Cam Frazier on the show. He t- he gave us like 10 things you can do with a flaccid penis. So that is Oh, I need true. to listen to that. That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> it's how to greet how to greet your next friendly flaccid penis. Yeah. Yes. It's hilarious. in our Patreon. Yeah, it's in our I it's, love our, it's it. a, it, yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's they're fun. I love flaccid penises cuz it's like game on. Let's do the fire starter. <laughs> Ooh, okay, that didn't work. Let's do the juicer. Let's juice that baby. (laughs) Yeah. I'm fascinated by flaccid penises. And it was really interesting because my partner initially didn't want me to touch him if he was flaccid. Like he only wanted me to like touch him if he was hard. And I was, we had a conversation. I'm like, why? I'm like, it's, I love your penis no matter what, you know, form it's in. And, And then I shared with him, like, there's things we can do. And he opened up to it. But I think a lot of men are like, if we're not rock solid, like don't even, don't even look at me. And I'm, that makes me so sad because it's so not true. (laughs) Well, men have their own shame and, you know, insecurity around their body and their sexuality too. It's not just women. Yeah. Yeah, And so much of it focuses on the penis. Like it's the ultimate insult to say that they have a small penis. And that makes me really, really sad. That's amazing. So August, you have a book coming out in September, right? I do. Thank you for Can asking. Can you tell about us about it. your book? <laughs> oh my gosh, I would be delighted. So it's called With Pleasure Managing Trauma Triggers for More Vibrant Sex and Relationships. Mm-hmm. And I co wrote it with a wonderful sex therapist, Jamila M. Dawson. And it explores um, what it's like to be triggered, why we get triggered, how to use really like rely on um, community and pleasure and self-compassion when we're managing trauma because so many of us are and it's a, it can really interfe- interfere and impact our um, our relationships and our sexual experiences and so we feature I think up to like around 20 different survivor stories are in the book mm-hmm. there's one of one of mine is in there as well and a whole range of identities and people of all ages. And it's a very, very inclusive book, which we wanted to because we feel like so much of the information about trauma is geared toward women. And probably just as many men are experiencing trauma and sexual trauma, but they aren't really given that permission to talk about it. 
So yeah, it comes out September 14th and we wanted it to be a very accessible book where people, you know, can because when we are triggered, our executive function does not work very well. <laughs> we wanted mm-hmm. it to be something where they could grab it and there's like a simple grounding exercise to help you feel better. There's a section on what to do when you're triggered during sex, like real tangible things. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. So we're excited wow. about it. Sounds like required reading. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, all right. How amazing. Um, August, thank you so much for coming on today. You also have a podcast as well. Tell us about, can you um, tell our listeners the best way that they can connect to finding your book, listening to your podcast, um, connecting to you and all the incredible writing that you do? What's the best way for people to follow you? Thank you. Uh, The best place is probably girlboner.org. Girlboner.org. And there you can find links and options to listen to my podcast. I also publish lightly edited transcripts on my blog. And you can find my books there or search for Girl Boner or Girl Boner Radio on your favorite podcast app. And I'm very much looking forward to featuring all of you. I know that my listeners are going to love your energy and your stories. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I do a lot of uh, storytelling and true stories and it's all aimed at pleasure and empowerment. It's it's great. We we all we all were listening to your episodes and it's it's I love the way that you do it. It's your voice, you have such an incredible voice like for for podcasting and radio. It's like very soothing to listen to and oh, um it's really beautifully done. Yeah. Yeah. August, thank you so much for coming on today. This was it was you gave us so many tangible, incredible things that our listeners are going to walk away with today. Like this conversation made a huge difference for me, as I'm sure it did for people listening and Katie and Sugar. And um, it's really moving your story and and the place that you're in and the work that you're doing. Like the world needs more, you know, pleasure powerhouses like you. And just thank you so much for the work that you're doing and. Um, for the the beautiful energy that you're putting out into the world and just for who you are and for coming on and being with us today. Oh, it was my absolute pleasure. And I'm so grateful for the work you're all doing too. And I'm going to be fighting for those asterisks to come down because I am <laughs> yeah. so passionate about clit talk. And uh, someone actually sent me a link to your podcast, uh, I think a year ago, and was like, oh my gosh, have you heard about this? And I was like, we must connect one day because <laughs> yeah, we got, we got clit energy. We totally have big, big clit energy. Big clit energy. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Well, August, thank you so much. Um, We'll have links to everything, how you can connect to her in our show notes and go out and buy her book when it comes out in September. I know I'm going to, I'm going to be reading it. I definitely want all those tips and tricks to transform my trauma into pleasure. Um, And with that, Clitorati, we are going to see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Clit Talk. Be sure to visit clittalkshow.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at clittalkshow for your clit fix in between episodes.